This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. What's today? Ella was, Rishchidosh uh, was. <coughs> Sunday was Rishchidosh. So Sunday was one, Monday's two, Tuesday's three. We're three. We're going to give them all, right? Okay, first of all, there's a very brand new book out called Torah Tavlin. Um, Yom Naram. You gotta buy this book. It's amazing. Out of, totally out of control. Fantastic. It's, it's written from the Torah Tavlin from the Chumash. So, uh, Rabbi David Hoffman wrote this. Just came out, Mamish, this week. If it came out, it just came out. Torah Tavlin, Yom Naram. Get it. Serious. It's amazing. Mamish, amazing. He also happens to play, um, shortstop and I play first base on the same team, but, no, it's really, really amazing. Okay. Um, so, I'd like to talk about Elul. Today's the third of Elul, but also, I think it's never really, you know, we talk about doing chuba, doing chuba, doing chuba, and I thought about this year that, you know, a lot of people don't know how to do chuba. You tell them to do chuba, but they don't know how to do chuba. So, in the Rambam, there's a whole hilchah of chuba. How many prokim? I think it's eight prokim, ten prokim, nine prokim, maybe nine prokim, uh, ten prokim. So I hope to be able to finish all ten prokim before we get to Rosh Hashanah so that so tonight we'll learn one parrot, and it's a shame, maybe two, we'll see. Okay? Alright, let's talk about, let's talk about Elo for a minute. So, okay, we'll start with the book and then we'll, we'll go into, into Shira Shira. So he says like this, picture a crowd is waiting anxiously at a Yushalayim bus stop, and a woman is holding a sleeping baby in her arms, and finally the bus comes, she gets on the bus with the baby in her arms, and they're going from Yushalayim to B'nai Brak. On the way, a couple of cars cut off the bus, just misses crashing into them, making one of the turns around the, Ju- the Jerusalem mountains. The bus almost goes off the cliff, right? And the kid's sleeping the whole time in his mother's arms. And uh, she gets off the bus, kid's still sleeping in her mother's arms, right? So did all those things happen? They all happened, right? They all happened. But the kid does not know about it because... He was sleeping safely in his mother's arms. Now, he doesn't write this in the book, but um, I heard this whole conversation, which I found very fascinating a long time ago. I don't know, some guys were talking about it. I got involved after davening. If, if the mother's holding the baby, and you're going from Yerushalayim to um, Tel Aviv, and the baby, she never put the baby down. Did the baby ever move? So in his mother's hands, he never moved. But the mice of the bus moved from, um, <coughs> the bus moved from Yerushalayim to, to Tel Aviv. The baby never moved. So if a person has the right emuna and the right relationship with Hashem, which is, I am to you and you are to me. So it's the mother to the baby, the baby to the mother, which means that the baby's in the mother's hands. Then, in life, even though there's a lot of things happening, Lamaisa, you all the time, if you were in Hashem's hands, then you sort of moved from being born until you die, but at the same time, you didn't move. You went through it your whole life, but you were in Akash Baruch's hands the whole time. It's a very deep uh, spiritual way of thinking. Um, but definitely the month of Elul is when we have to think this deeply. 
So therefore, if, you, if you're really in Hashem's hands, and that's what Hashem says, Hashlech, you say at the end of davening, some people have it in their Sidurim, Hashlech al Hashem Yehavcha, who you calculate. Hashem says, throw all your stuff to me, and I'll handle it. So it's like the Ani, the poor person who has a huge 40-pound, 50-pound backpack, and he's walking in the mud in the middle of a storm, and this carriage comes up, this wagon, this carriage comes up, and picks him up, and he gets into the carriage. You can't believe this guy's giving him a ride. He's got this 60-pound backpack on his back, and the guy's like, why don't you take it off your back and put it on the floor? And he's like, no, it's, 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 I can't, you know, it's, you're nice enough to, to, to take me. I can't ask you to take my backpack. Hello. You, the backpack is on your back, and you're in my wagon. So I'm taking your backpack anyway. Doesn't matter that it's connected to your back. It's the same amount of weight. You weigh 100, backpack weighs 60, whether it's on your back or it's on the floor. I'm taking 160 pounds. Doesn't make a difference, right? So, that's what means Hashem, Hashem, Hashem says like this. Listen, I'm giving you life. I'm taking care of you. I'm giving you time. I'm giving you sustenance. So I got it anyway. So if I got it anyway, all your service, all your stuff, take it off your back and put it on me. I'm, I'm carrying you anyway through life. So what do you what do you make yourself a sugar for? Take it off your back. So it, 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 there is no question. There's no question that a person who has a muna, a person who believes in God, has a much easier life. First of all, anything goes wrong, you blame him, right? And second of all, you realize that you're not. If you think you're in control, then it's your fault. You mess up, it's your fault. But if you realize that there's some stuff in life you're not in control, then you're not carrying that weight on your back. Elo is sort of this woman on the bus. That you're supposed to reach that level where Hashem's carrying me in his arms anyway. So, uh, you know, during my life, we might have missed going off a cliff, we might have missed that, we might have missed this, we might have this. But at the end of the day, I'm in Hashem's hands. So I'm sort of sleeping, which is exactly what it says in Shirashirim. For the Shirashirim, it says, um, Hashem um, says, I came to my garden, um, my sister, my bride, Arisi Moiri, right? Um, I came to I came to my garden and I gathered my spices and whatever. And this is what Hashem was talking about in the times of Beis Hamikdash. And you sent me, you made me korbanos, and we had kohanim, right? And and we answered to Hashem, I need a shena. Which is big words. I need Yashain of Libi air. I am sleeping, but my heart is awake. So, so the Mepharshim translate this, that, that Kleistrel is saying, I am sleeping, but my heart, you, are awake. So I'm the baby in my mother's arms. Right? I'm the baby. When, 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 when a child goes to sleep in its mother's arms, it trusts its mother that it won't drop it. If it thought that its mother was going to drop it, it would not, you know, go comfortably into, um, into its mother's arms. So <clears throat> we're saying to Hashem, there's a few translations to this, but we're saying, I need Yashena, so this is like not from, from such a good side. I need Yashena, I'm sleeping, Libier, and Hashem, you're awake. Cold day, 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 fake. The, the one that I love is, um, is knocking on my door, right? And saying, Pischuli, Achaisi, Rayasi, Yanasi, Temasi. Open up, Hashem calls us his sister, his friend, his dove, his perfection, right? And um, we all, we say Pashatis Kataiti, I'm undressed. I'm I'm disconnected, man. I got my iPod, my iPad, all that stuff. I found out today. Somebody told me today that the we 
that the we, the things in the game of the we are called the me. I don't know exactly about the game that much, but they were saying like, so let's talk about the I, I mean, this is the world of the I, and then the we, the we is W-I-I, which means that we is me and myself. See, really? You should know that in the we, whatever that is, the parts or the pieces or whatever it's called, it's called the me. Anyway, so um, I want to look at this a little differently. And this is very important for Elul because this is the actual prefix to the month of Elul. We say, we say to Hashem, this is a very positive thing, that I might be sleeping, but I'm not dead. Because when a person sleeps, right, he's out, he's one sixtieth of death, but Lamaisa, his heart is beating the whole time, his heart stops, he's dead. So, we're saying to Hashem, before I knew which is Elo, that I might have messed up this month, I might have messed up this whole year, I might have messed up my whole life till now. But you need to know something, Hashem. I, might, I look like I'm sleeping. I knew you're saying it. I am sleeping. I'm busy with my internet, with all my, all my nonsense. I'm very busy with everything. So, in the spirituality Jewish world, I'm sleeping. I'm not learning. I'm not davening. I'm sleeping. I'm not, right? But you need to know, Hashem, leave me air. But I'm alive. And if I'm alive, as we'll see when we learn how to tshuva, where there's life, there's a possibility to do tshuva till the last second, the mission says, in Pekayavos, to the last second of your life. You can do tshuva, you can be clean Olam Haba. The last second of your life, you can't depend on it, because you the last second of your life, that's not what you're thinking about, like, let me do tshuva. You're trying to get another cask of beer or whatever you need to live. But, Lamaisa, <coughs> I need you, Shana, I'm sleeping. Believe me, air. But you need to know that my, my heart is awake. And this answers a question that I had, because if I need you, Shana, if I'm sleeping, and the, and the translation could be, Libi Er Hashem is awake, he's watching me. So then well, how did I know that he's knocking on the door? From sleeping, how do I know someone's knocking on the door? He's not saying he woke up, he's saying, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm sleeping, but my heart is awake. Then it says, um, um, hold on. Yeah. Hashem says, open up the door, right? And we say, we answer, Pashati is Katainti. I got undressed. Hashem, I don't, I don't have any spiritual clothing whatsoever. I gave it all up. I don't even know how to get it back. You know, I'm lost. I'm, I'm an addict. I'm addicted to this. I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to, to, to all this stuff. I, I can't get it back, man. I don't know how to get it back, right? I gotta get it back. I washed my feet. You expect me to, to go to shul, to get up, to do all these mitzvahs. I'm not dirtying my feet for you, right? So, what do you mean? How, what, how can you say that? If you're sleeping, how, what, you, don't, you don't know that nobody knocked on the door. The answer is, there's, there's this, this knock on everybody's neshama. There's no shayla. I've seen it so many times where today, today I met a girl. Wow. She's like, she's like so off the derach. She's like going out with a guy that's like 40 years older than her and he's non-Jew and the whole thing didn't make sense to me at all. And she's so far away from Yiddishkeit. She lives in a very far away place, whatever it is. But the mice, she came to speak to me. Why did she come to speak to me? Because deep down, down, down that neshama was, like give me another chance. Give me a chance to change. I don't know what's going to happen in the end. We had, we had a two hour discussion, whatever it is. Because even when a, when a person when a person is sleeping, you need to know even when you're sleeping, your soul is always awake. Jewish soul, 
you can put to sleep a Jewish soul, but you can't kill it. You can't kill it. You can put, you can put all kinds of garbage and fill it, put all the garbage you want on it, and you can put it to sleep. And there's a lot of Jewish souls that are sleeping out there. You cannot kill a soul. So that's what's going on over here. He's saying, like, I'm sleeping, but I'm not dead. It's not working. Let's move closer. Right, I'm sleeping, but I'm not dead. And 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 it's true. We're not dead, right? So all the way down, and then it says, "Well, what happens? What happens? What Sunni Hashemim? What's even be here? The minute the Jew goes, the minute the Jews in the Shema is sleeping, out come the enemies, out come the movies, out comes the big screen, out comes the porn, out comes all the garbage, and you're 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 a fish in the water, man. They they got the bait out. There's nothing to talk about." Patuni, they hit me, they beat me, they nusuus redeem me all they take away my crown. They take away that, that Jewish crown, that, that the thing that makes you special, the thing that makes you the holy. The minute the minute the other side, the dark side, the Satan sees you're vulnerable, he don't sleep. He doesn't sleep. I'll tell you something that happened this week. I um Sunday, so I spoke and this guy uh Ellie Rowe had a uh, breakfast. To raise money for a mikvah, to build a mikvah in South Fallsburg. Right? South Fallsburg. Now, we have a mikvah in Woodridge, there's a mikvah here, there's a mikvah there, there's a mikvah there. So, when the guys asked me, why are you going to be late for baseball? Right? And I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm speaking. And they said, why are you speaking Sunday morning? I said, and it was a championship game. I said, to build a mikvah in South Fallsburg. The first thing they said is, what do they need a mikvah in South Fallsburg? We have a mikvah in Woodridge. It's not that far from each other. And there's a mikvah here, and there's a mikvah there, and there's a mikvah in camp, and there's a mikvah in another camp, and da 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 right? So I looked at these guys. I said, you know, I know that right now in Woodridge, there are four houses, four apartments that guys have that work up there, that they do the biggest of areas with girls, Shabbos, Ochil of Shabbos, drugs. I said, Yitzhahara never says, Another house of Averis? Oh no, it's too close to the other house. He said, how come on the good side, we're like, we have a mikra in Woodridge, why don't we need one in Fallsburg? One on the bad side, nobody ever said, we have a movie theater in Woodridge. I guess we won't make one in Kayamisha. You told me make a movie theater every block. What are you told? I said, it, it's only working one side. I said, why don't you think like the HR? We have to stop thinking like the HR. The says, this guy has a TV, the next house has a TV, the next guy has a TV. We gotta get him more stuff, we gotta get him more bad stuff. This never, the Yatari never says, well, you know, there's this bad house in Woodridge, so we can't make one so close. We'll have to make one up in Montreal, you know, far away. Like, he doesn't mind making one right next door to each other. So I said, like, how come the Tanatuma, right, the Satan, the Tanatuma has no problem with it. When it comes to Kedusha, all of a sudden, we need two shoes in the same, Two shuls in the, in the same town? What for? We have one shul. When it comes to bad places, there's no such problem. So I went to this, uh, and I said this at, at, at the parliament meeting. It was an amazing parliament meeting. I said it at the parliament meeting, and I, I'll tell you, you, some of you guys are not married, so I don't know if I should talk about it, but I should talk about it. So, that, so the truth is, I'll tell you a crazy story about mikvah. So the truth is, Lamaisa, how am I going to sell this? I'm getting up there. They're asking. They need one point. The, the, the mikvah is like 1.4 million dollars. It's a woman's mikvah. Beautiful. They're building a huge, huge mikvah. 
and they already got like 600,000 and they need to raise 800,000 they didn't expect to practice what he raised 20, 30 right they didn't expect to raise a lot of money um, I, think, I think we pulled it off the whole thing it was a crazy breakfast it was, and I got up there I'm like how, how, am, I, how am I selling this like the bottom line is like what, what do I need what, like, what do I need to I'll give them $108 $200 what do I need to there's already a mikvah for women in Woodridge and Monticello and this camp and that camp why don't you know let them let them drive another five minutes it's not a big deal so tell you a story that happened in Sacramento so Tower Records which was my customer before they went before they went bankrupt so um, Tower Records is in Sacramento Sacramento has an orthodox community they have an orthodox shul Knesset Israel they also have an amazing restaurant it was called Butcher Block he moved I don't know what it's called now so they have a restaurant, it's a very small community. They have a restaurant and they have this shul. And I've been going, Tarek is my customer for 30 years. Since I'm a young guy, I would, I would fly to California almost once a month to, to Sacramento. And they wanted to build a mikvah for women. And they were just starting, you know, to, to, to have this Orthodox meeting. Some of the people who came were not Orthodox yet, they were just building this community. But they didn't have the money. They're very poor people. They didn't have the money and um, to build a freestanding building. And you know, mikvah is not so easy to build, especially out of town. So they had this mikvah fund, right? Every time I came, I gave him twenty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever. It was. I knew the mikvah wasn't going to be done for a while. For twenty years, there was no women's mikvah. We had to go to San Francisco. San Francisco on a good day, open road, is two hours, two hours and twenty minutes. Hey, out of town. Who told you to move out of town? You know, it's not like New York. Move out of town. You want to go to Midford? You have to drive for two hours. It's the way it is in many places, right? So I didn't have my heart in it. I gave him, because I went to Downs. I felt guilty. So I gave him $50, $20. About 10 years ago, maybe, no, less than 10 years ago, they, the Midford Fund USA helped them start it. They built the Midford. A women's Midford. Beautiful, freestanding women's Midford. So they had a grand opening, and a very big thing. Of course, I'm, I'm a member of the shul because all these years. So I was invited. So I went. And um, this woman, who I knew, who, just because it's a very small town, whatever it was. So they're very proud to have this mikvah, women's mikvah, beautiful mikvah. And she says, you know, Rabbi Wallstein, I'm a Balistruva. I come from a home no one's religious my family if I would not be religious half, most of my family is married to non-Jews there would be no more my family in the next generation would not exist anymore I'm the only Baal's children she said I'm in this town 20 years my dream was to have 10 children 12 children so that my family religiously would I'd be able to bring back my Zaydi's family big religious family so that was my dream she says 90% of the time the night that I was ready to go to the mikvah was Friday night and Friday night I couldn't go to San Francisco and much of Shabbos by the time I would get to San Francisco it would be too late and to go to San Francisco then wait online then drive you know, it's a six hour trip so we, I pushed it off I couldn't go Friday night I pushed it off Saturday night right so I ended up 
not going to the mikvah till two days after the, I could go to the mikvah. I used to go Sunday night. She said, but I was ovulating the night I was supposed to go to the mikvah. So every single month, I couldn't get pregnant. And I tried medicine, and it's not. And she said, I have two children instead of 12. If I would have had this mikvah 20 years ago, I'd have 12 children. So had I realized that, that I could have brought 10 children into the world, I would have raised the money. But I didn't think of it that way. It's your problem. You live out of town, you go a night later, whatever it is. So I said the story when I was, by the thing, I was like, so a person has to, when there's a need in a cloud, and in in, in, in you have to look at it in a much wider picture. Had I known that, then of course I would have, we would have had that mikvah up there. So this woman only has two kids, you can't change that. Because there was no mikvah there. And, and, she, and imagine a two-day yantiv with a Shabbos after it. So three days. So three days, and then she can't go Matzi Shabbos because it's too late. So she's going to go Sunday night. So it's four days after the night she's supposed to go to the mikvah. And now, there's a mikvah there. You can go the first day, yantiv. You don't have to wait four days. We don't think, you know. So I said, at the parliament meeting, I said, build the mikvah in Fallsburg because we did, we did research the last two weeks. There are a thousand families that are in 20 minute walking distance of that mikvah. So there's a thousand families that the women, if it comes out Friday night, you can go to the mikvah that night, that Friday night. Or if it's two day, three day yantif, you can go to the mikvah. So Baruch Hashem, that speech worked and the, they raised a lot of money, but the reason I'm telling you this is because when people reach out to you, you have to think. I never thought that way. I was never like Friday night and that, 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 whatever. There's a famous story. It's either with Diane Fisher, brilliant. I just heard about this. Someone said about the mikvah thing, the last one I went to. Either with Diane Fisher or Rabbi Yashav. Could be with Rabbi Yashav. Where this woman, so it came out, the night that she ovulated was the night before the, that she could go to the mikvah. So she couldn't have children. Because by the time she went to the mikvah, it was already, she already had ovulated, she could, not, she, she could not have a child. And they tried to change her period, they tried to change everything, they could not change it. This is when, so she couldn't have children for her whole life. Because she wasn't going to do it before she goes to the mikvah, so she was stuck. So she was married for a long time, she wasn't having kids, and Rabbanim tried, there was nothing they could do, there was nothing to do. So either she went to Rabbi Yosher or Rabbi Fisher, I'm not sure which one. I think it was Diane Fisher, I'm not sure. So they came to me, she said, uh, maybe the Rav can, you know, I'm a day early, and, and every time I go to the mikvah, it's too late. He said, go to Australia. Australia is a day ahead. So, if it's a day ahead, you'll be going to the mikvah the day, the whole thing will work out, you'll be able to go to the mikvah the night that you ovulate, and she talking had children. Brilliant. They moved from Israel, either to Australia or to China, I think it was Australia, and she had like three, four kids. So, brilliant, it's absolutely brilliant. So, person, when it comes to which is part of Elul, right? 
when someone you have to think about like what do I need what do we need this for what do we need this for we have it we have it we have it first of all the Satan doesn't think that way that's number one and we have to bring a lot of good and a lot of Kedush and a lot of Tahara into the world that's number one number two you have to have you have to have a wide lens in your camera you have to see the wide picture I didn't see it until she told me that I was like you know, like, I wasn't into it. Why should I give more than $50? Like, what do you need to make? You know, go to San Francisco. So go for a ride with your husband for two hours or something, you know. I wasn't thinking Friday night, and it may not work out that she'll be pregnant. And, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know this stuff, whatever it is. So I never gave anything. I gave a little bit, but I didn't give, I didn't, I didn't build that make for my own shot. A person has to be, a person has to think. When someone comes to you for help, you have to think. You know, um, there's a poor person I was very close to. His name was Howard Frank. And um, he was a little off. He was he used to collect outside of Landau's, um, and outside of Shemesh Shabbos. And he came to my house every Pesach, and I was very close to him. He was a beggar. And um, the last, like, at my daughter's wedding in June, he kept coming over to me, and he kept saying, well, I owe $80,000. I owe $80,000. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Like, Howard, I'm not giving you $80,000, and nobody's killing you. You're Meshigar. You're out of your mind. He says, no, I'm telling you, they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me. So we all left, me and myself, everyone. Every, he was telling everyone in shul, help me, help me, they're going to kill me. And he was out of his mind, you know, like, hello, he was out of his mind. They found him floating. They found him floating. We, we, the police called, whatever it is, found him floating, somebody murdered him. He was found floating underneath the uh, Gowanus. And uh, he was definitely murdered, there's nothing to talk about. They claimed suicide, but Howard, Howard Frank would never kill himself. And he had a million, over a million dollars in pictures from studios that he inherited. And, uh, there was just a write-up in the post about it, you know, the, the beggar millionaire. And we knew, I knew that he had that. And, um, today, it's just, a, I mean, just to tell you, so, so he didn't have a job. He used to be the security guard in Kranat Yeshiva, where I worked. And then he lost that job. And, um, he hadn't had a job since, so he started begging. And he felt very, he wanted to work, and he felt very, there was no job, nobody would hire him, he was schlumpy, and you know, he didn't look, he's, we, we bought him clothing, and we used to take to the barber. He looked like a beggar, you would all recognize him if you saw his picture. He looked like a beggar. So, I never had a job for him. And he died, they murdered him, what was it, about eight weeks ago. And um, now, I'm Hashem, opening up a new seminary, a different kind of seminary, and um, a seminary for girls on the street that gives a seminary education and not only girls on the street girls that are not religious that we're going to give them a seminary education with a college program that in 18 months you go to the seminary half a day the college program half a day you have a bachelor's in sciences business anything that you need to go into a master program you will get by us through a university so we moved from where I was and I'm now in the avenue I um, Young Israel Avenue I, which is great. We have a gym, and um, I need, I'm, I'm looking this week for what? For a security guard. And I'm like, Howard would have been in heaven. He would have been my security guard. He would have been get his job back, wore his little uniform. He would have been in heaven. But I didn't listen to him. I could have saved his life. I could have put eighty thousand off together to save his life. Could have purposed pictures against it. I was laughing at him. He came to my wedding. He was sweating. He was like, they're going to kill me, right? Well, I'm like, Howard, come, let's dance. That's what I told him. I pulled him into dance. And they killed him. And all the people he went over to, we laughed at him. 
says, $80,000, where, who, who do you owe? I can't tell you. I can't tell you who I owe, he told me. Who do you owe? I'll go meet him. Oh, you don't want to meet them. And he's dead. And he was a very close friend of mine. So, so we, we're going into Elul. We need, we need to think of this Someone comes to ask you, maybe it is true what he's asking you. Maybe it's a much bigger picture in Mikvah. You know what I mean? It's a much bigger picture than what you're looking at. I'm not saying Mikvah, whatever it is. Well, we have to listen to the army a little bit, a little bit better. I'm, I'm saying Kaddish for him all year. That's why I say Kaddish. He doesn't have anyone to say Kaddish. He has no children. He's not married. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying Kaddish for him. Well, in my side, I wasn't listening to him. Um, so we have to, we have to be much more, much more careful. But we need to know that even if we're sleeping, we're awake. Our heart is always awake. And the Shama is always awake. And if you shut with his life, there's hope. With the Shama. So therefore, we have something called, something, a very big present that Hashem gave us, which is called Teshuvah. And I would like to learn about it, because the truth is that we talk about a lot in Elul, but Lemaisa, nobody knows Halacha. So I know it's a little boring. You like when I tell you crazy stories, but we have to learn a little bit Halacha also. We we need to learn Hilchas Teshuvah. So let's, let's just, I really, next week I'll try to, not next week, the week after, I'll try to make copies for you, so that you can look inside. But in the meanwhile, I'm going to read it and I'm going to explain it. Okay. Kol mitzvah shibitayra. Any mitzvah that's in the Torah. Bein asay, bein lois asay. Whether it's a mitzvah asay, to do, where it sits, where it's filling. Bein lois asay, not to be mechal shabbos, not to eat chazer, not to cook milk and meat together. Im avar adam al-achas mehem. If a person does, is over one of them. Bein bezadah and bein mishkaga. Whether you do it on purpose, or whether you do it by accident. If you will do repentance, and you will ask forgiveness, you will go back from your sin, you have to do the following. First thing you need to do is you have to say vidui. Anyone here know what vidui is? Vidui is admitting to the sin. Right? Because until you admit to the sin, what are you doing tshuva on? Right? So first, first thing in tshuva is vidui in the base of Midrash they used to do it before they brought the carbon when a man or a woman do a sin they will admit their sin this is admitting through words by the way if you if you say vidui right which you could sometimes say at night at the edge of your bed I did this I did that Right? I think if you, if you say it by your mouth, so then you're creating a real thing to clean away. In other words, you just think it, and that's not good enough. You have to say a D-boy. You can't just text it. You have to say it. Ketav Azvadin. What do you say? On Hashem. Please Hashem. Chatasi. Avisi. Prashatu Lefanecha. I sinned on purpose. I sinned by accident. I was negligent. Lefanecha. And I did so and so. And I feel bad. And I'm embarrassed. The the way I behaved. This is the four parts of tshuva. is the first is admitting it, um, saying that I feel bad, regret, saying that I feel bad what I did, and the most important is. I'm not going to do this again. And where's the fourth part? If you steal. If you steal money, so saying, oh, I stole money. Oh, I feel bad. Oh, I'm never going to do it again. But you don't give back the money, you're not forgiven. 
It's not good enough to say you feel bad. I'm not going to ever do it again. I admit what I did, but I'm not paying him back. That's not good. So when you steal something, you take something, the fourth part is giving it back. And this is the main part of admitting what you did wrong. And anybody who talks a lot about what he did wrong, and he spends a lot of time in this, he should be praised. Okay. And he says, when a person used to bring in the base Hamidash, a chatas or an asham, so they always used to do vidoy. In fact, the client was there when they did vidoy. Okay. Now, v'chein kol mechayve misas bezdin, or mechayve malchus, that a person who bezdin has to kill, or bezdin has to whip, ain mishaper lehen, b'misasan, they're not forgiven just by dying, or just by being hit, until they say they're sorry, and they, and they, and they admit. So in other words, let's say a guy was Machal Shabbos, and Bezdin is not going to give him skila, they're going to stone him to death. But while they're stoning him to death, he says, I don't care. I, I don't feel bad about this. I'm glad I did it. So the death that he's about to have in skila does not forgive him. He has to, First, feel, he has to admit it, and he has to feel bad about it. He has to have charata. If he stands there while they're killing him, saying like, "I don't care," you know, kill me, then he's not forgiven. Says the Rambam. A person who hurts physically his friend, or he damages his friend's money. Even if you pay back the guy the money, what he has to pay him, he's not forgiven until he admits what he did. And he decides he's never going to do this again. Okay. What about on Yom Kippur when they took the ram and they pushed him off the mountain? Right? So that was a kapara for the whole Klai Who says if you do it? He says it. He says the Vidoy for the whole Klai Okay. This you don't need to know. If he doesn't do tshuva, then the soya is worthless. Umahein, this is interesting. Umahein akalois, umahein achamuros. What are the light averas and what are the heavy averas? Achamuros, the heavy averas, shechai v'alem, misin, bezdin, aikaris. That's the one that bezdin gives you misa, which we'll see which ones are that, or you cut off from, in the next world, aikaris. Ushuashav, Shekha, a person who swears falsely or lies. Even though he's not going to get kares, a liar is a, is a very bad thing. All the other mitzvahs that don't have kares, they're the, they're the easy ones. And there's no altar. The only thing that's left is repentance. Hachuba mechaperas akol averas. Chuba forgives on all averas. Afilu Russia. Listen to this. This is amazing. Afilu Russia. Even a Russia. Shekol Yomov. He did since his whole life. He was so bad. Vasei Chuba Bachrayna. And in the end of life, he does Chuba. Eimashkim Eloi Shum Dabam You are not allowed to remind him 
of any of the things that he did wrong. The, 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 the evil that the Russia does, you cannot bring up to him on the day that he does repentance. The the day of Yom Kippur, forgive those who do tshuva. Says in the Torah today, that day specifically Yom Kippur will get you forgiveness. Even though tshuva will forgive you for anything that you do wrong, and the actual day, let's say you don't do tshuva on Yom Kippur, let's say you just sleep a whole day, right? The actual day of Yom Kippur has a power that's mechaper. Some of us you're forgiven right away, but some of us you're not forgiven right away. Ketzat. Over Adam Mitzvahs a person was over on a Mitzvah say that doesn't have kores. But I'll say tshuva ain't as a b'shiva shemachon light. He gets muscled right away. Okay, Eli never shuvu but him shavim rabba. Over Adam Mitzvahs loisav say shem bekores. Let's say he doesn't loisav say you're not allowed to eat milk and meat, cook milk and meat. Shem bekores. The tshuva is hanging. When you get to Yom Kippur, you are forgiven. But if God forbid you sleep with a nida, a girl that is not clean, which means a single girl, because she gets married because they don't let them go to the mikvah. So if you sleep with such a girl, that's a nida. So yuchayev kares. So of al kares, if you did something like that, you're al kares. Misas bezdin, say tshuva, and you did tshuva, tshuva. The yom kippurim, you need tshuva and yom kippurim. Toilin, they hang. The yisurin abonolov, and the pain that the person would go through after goyimulis hakapara, that brings them all in, and you're and you're you're forgiven. Uloilam emachapuloi kapara gemur tshuva elov yisurin. Until you have your serum, you're not going to have kapara. How do we know that? Because it says, They'll go through, they'll go through nigam, pain. What are we talking about? If you didn't disgrace God's name in public. But if you machala Hashem's name in public, even though you did tshuva, and you had Yom Kippur, and he continued his tshuva, and he went through a lot of pain. What's going to be the final? You're not forgiven until you die. Ela tshuva, Yom Kippur, Yisurim, Umisa, Nechaperes. You need all five: tshuva, Yom Kippur, Yisurim. No, four. And Shuva, Yom Kippur, Yishurim, and Misa. So that's on if a person makes a Chol Hashem. By the way, a Chol Hashem is not just when you do something and you're a Mechal Hashem's name, you disgrace God's name by non-Jews. If you disgrace God's name by Jews, it's also a Chol Hashem. Alright, that's it. We finished the first parak. See? Wasn't so bad. Now, we're going to do one more, one more capital, and then we'll We'll talk for a minute about tshuva. Now, Ezu tshuva gemura. What is considered a real full tshuva? I said this to a boy today. If the thing that you messed up last time 
comes back and you're in the exact same situation. And you could do the same Avera again. And you run away, you separate yourself from that. That is real chuva because that means I put in the same position with the same Yitzhahara and I walked away. That means that I, that I got it out of myself. Not that you walked away because this time you're scared you're going to get caught or because you became weak. What does it mean you became weak? A guy has, he was young, full of hormones, full of energy. And he did a sin with a woman. And again, he falls into the same trap. And he's alone with her again. And he was able to stand up to it, right? Even though he loved her. And even though he was in full strength of his body. And he walked away from her. So he's, he's still in love with her. He's still young, right? He's still in the same country. And he can do the Avera. And he walks away. He is considered, he did tshuva. A complete tshuva. What? Right, right. So I had a I had a kasha on this, and he's going to answer the kasha. My kasha on this is so one second. So a guy did an avera when he was nineteen. He was twenty. He was twenty-two. Did an avera with a married woman. Let's say whatever. Did an avera with a woman. She was a nida, right? And now he's sixty-five, seventy. He's not into this anymore, right? He's a seventy-year-old guy. He doesn't have that fire. He doesn't have that hormones. And he's like, Hashem, I feel very bad what I did when I was 20 years old. I want to do tshuva. So you can't do tshuva? Because he doesn't have the fire anymore? He can, he's not back in the position he was because he's 70 and he was 20 then, right? So that's it. That, so then what do you mean? You said, the Ramam said that everything you can do tshuva on. So the minute I become old, I can't do tshuva on all those averis, right? So the Ramam, it bothers him the same thing. So he answers the question. And he says, he says the question himself, actually. He says, Remember God, be made when you're young. When you have those Yetzirahs, when you're young. Because when you're old, it's not a real tshuva, because you don't have the same Yetzirah. So you need to do the tshuva when you're young, not when you're old. And if you only do tshuva when you're old, he's physically not able to do what he did when he was younger. Even though it's not a real tshuva because now I'm 80 years old, I don't have that yetzar anymore. It works for him and he's considered about tshuva. Even if he, his whole life, he did Averis. And he does Tshuva on the day of his death. And he, he dies while he's doing Tshuva. All his Averis are forgiven. Until the, till the sun goes out, the light goes out, the moon goes out, the stars go out. If he remembers God before he dies, he does tshuva, he does tshuva 
before he dies, Nislach he is forgiven, even though he doesn't have the same Yitzhahara. He's 85 years old. He doesn't have a Yitzhahara for girls. Right? Even though some 85 years old also still have him. What's worse than a young fool? An old fool. What's worse than a young bal- balavera? An old balavera. Much worse. So he's, he's saying that really to do true, you have to be in the same position. But of course, you don't put yourself in the same position. You can't, you can't say, oh, I want to show you that I really did chuva. When I used to gamble, so um, when I stopped 17 years ago, so my friends were like, they stopped getting all the comps that I was getting. So they weren't happy that I stopped. They were getting, you know, free this, free that, free this, free that. They weren't happy anymore. So they used to tell me, if you really want to know if you beat it, you got to come sit at the table and not play. Then you know you beat it, right? Because they wanted me to go down. They wanted to get free room, free Johnny Walker Blue, free everything, cigarettes, whatever they got, right? So they're like, just come. Like, how do you know you beat it? Like, you, you, you're staying in New York. Doesn't mean you beat it. you got to come sit next to us. And if you, you don't play, I'm like, are you crazy? I don't need to come down into the same spot to find out or not. I don't know. has to protect themselves. They have addiction. You know what? You're alcoholic. You think you beat it? Let's go sit in the bar. Everyone around is going to drink. Let's see if you don't drink. That's that's a fool. So the, the, he's not saying over here that okay, you did this affair, so now go out with this girl again to a hotel and see if you can walk out the last minute. It ain't going to happen. And and the person cops shum. You not going to put yourself in a in a position like that. But a real tshuva is if you end up in that in that in that same place. There's a um, very famous. I don't know who Rav Shimshin Pick is born from, but it's very, very true. In Gilgal, in the Sefer Gugulim, it says that whatever I you did when you were here this time or last time, you're going to be put in that same position again. The only way that a person can be, fix his soul is that whatever you messed up last time, you have to be in the exact same position and not fall this time. So you will be in that same place and you have to beat it. And once you beat it, you did your tikkun. Doesn't mean you're going to die on the spot. You still have a lot of other things to do in life. You're different tikkunim. It's not only one tikkun usually, but that's how you do a tikkun. So you missed out. What? So you missed out. They give you more than one chance, usually. So, Rav Shimshon Pink is like this. So you have a guy that last time he was here, a bunch of missionaries got him, and he went to church, and he got baptized. Right? So the soul comes up to the next world, it gets judged. No good. You did a big bad one. So we gotta send you back down, you gotta fix it. That means that that person's gonna end up in a church again. So that's the only way he can fix it. Now that's not fair. You, you're putting him back into a church? So of course he's gonna do the wrong thing. That's not fair. The truth is, if you think about Gilgal, it's very not fair. Why do you think that I failed what I, last time Right? That I struck out last time, and this time I'm gonna add bad, I'm gonna hit a home run. You're putting me back into the same position, then we're gonna fall again! So it's, what kind, what, what kind of tikkun? You're putting me back in the church? Like, so how can, how can I not fall? He said something amazing and it's so true. He said, they're gonna put you in church when you're four years old. They're gonna let you live your life. And by the way you live your life, that's how you're going to be put back in the church. So, you're born, you come to this world, you're off to Darach, you meet some missionaries, you might go back to the church and get baptized again, 
and come back to the Shemayim and have to go through the whole birth and death and that whole business and you're going to have to come back again. But, maybe you're a alcoholic. Right? So you're going to end up, because most AA programs are in a church, in the basement, right? So you may end up in a church not getting baptized because you're an alcoholic. That's not going to be a tikkun for you. You didn't fix anything. You may end up in Chicago City Limits. Chicago City Limits, when I was just married, and they've been around for a long time, is a comedy group. And their comedy group was played off-Broadway in the basement of a church. So I didn't go. But they asked the Shiloh. Guys asked the Shiloh, can we go to this comedy thing? And since it was not in the church, and it was in the basement of the church, they went. I didn't go. I don't have anything to do with a church, right? That's not a tikkun. I'm getting baptized. Going to a comedy, Chicago City Limits, the bottom of the church. But this guy lived his whole life doing kiruv. That's what he did. Aha. So he helps Jews. So he's going to be put in a position that someone that he knows that he's working with is going to end up in a church and he's going to come flying into that church to get him out of there to save his kid before he gets baptized. And then he will have done his tikkun. You're going to be in a church. There's no discussion. How are you going to be in that church? What are you going to be doing in that church? That's going to be the way you live your life. But you're going to be in that church. But it's going to depend on how you live your life. Last week, I went to a hospital where there was a girl who went through some crazy abuse as a little as a kid, a little kid for four years. Not to pat my pat myself on the shoulder, this hospital in America is considered the number one hospital for abuse, addiction, drugs. It's the biggest and they charge forty five thousand dollars a month. They are the number one. And they're breaking the doors to get in there. They're very rich people, of course. Poor people, they don't take insurance. They have the top doctor, psychiatrists in the world that work there. I got a phone call about four weeks ago from this hospital. We have a girl, she's Jewish. There's more than one, but we have a Jewish girl. She's here. The longest it takes them to turn a kid around is six weeks. So it's forty-five thousand plus half of that. It's about sixty grand. That's the, that's their normal. She's there ten months, and they can't turn her around. Her parents already spent four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I told the parents, "You give me that four fifty, she'd be very healthy. I promise you, very healthy, right? She's not healthy. She's not doing well." So this hospital calls me up and says, there's nothing we can do for her anymore. She comes from a religious family. We have come to the conclusion with all our meetings, with all our clinical psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, PhDs, they got more letters on their doors than we have, I don't know what, right? That a Jewish girl from a religious family, there's, there's a void in her, there's a void in her because of her religion and a lack of fulfillment of her religion because over here she's not kosher there's no Sabbath there's nothing that without filling that void 
without bringing the heart and the soul. That's what they said. The mentality and the soul together, we, we, cannot, we cannot help her. We hear that you are very good with kids. Would you fly down here? We'll take, would you fly down here and, and meet with her and us together? Sure. So I flew down there. There's two big doctors and Rabbi Z. I didn't even go to college, right? They asked me, so, you know, where did you, where'd you get all well, your degrees? You know, we heard all this about you. I said, oh, I went to Tamilical College. Uh, Mir Yeshiva Tamilical College. I graduated, you know. So, let them take whatever they want. You know, I went to Tamilical College, whatever. But I never went past high school. So, I went to Yeshiva after that. I wanted to go to college. I went to my father. I wanted to go into business. I'm in business. I'm a businessman. I always wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to go into business. So I said to my father, I, I want to I get a, you know, a master's in business. I want to go to business. My father was a very big businessman. He was a wealthy man. He was a very big businessman. So when I went to him, I remember going to his room and I, and I said, Dad, you know, I'm in Mary Shiva and they don't let you go to college, but I really want to go to college. I, I want to I I get, get a master's in, in business. And he said to me, why? I said, because I want to make a lot of money. He said, hold on. He said, if the professor who's teaching business was a good businessman, he wouldn't be making 80, 80 to $90,000 a year. He'd be out there in the business world making five, ten million million. Why would you want to learn business from a guy who's making seventy grand? He said, if he was any, any good, then, then he'd be making millions. He said, you want to learn business? I'll take you to my meetings. You'll hang out with me. I'll teach you business. He was making a lot more than 70 grand a year, my father. He was 100% right. You know the famous thing. He got up, uh, the owner of, what's that coffee company? Starbucks. Starbucks. And they gave him, you know, if you give a certain amount of money to a university, they give you a honorary, you become an honorary PhD doctor. So he gave a lot of money. It was Yale or Columbia, one of these big colleges. And uh, he gets up and he says, he, he didn't do well in school. All these guys, Gates didn't do well in school, he didn't do well in school, the guy from uh, from Facebook didn't do well in school, all the big boys, they're all, Einstein got kicked out of school, anybody that's anybody, all the, the guy who wrote the books on physics right now, the big professor, he got kicked out of school, everyone that did anything in their lives got kicked out of school, serious, look at all the big people, they all got kicked out of school, so, so this guy gets up, now you have to remember, he's getting up in this big college, right, he gets up and he says, godless, he says, I want to teach you a lesson in life. The A student teaches the B student how to work for the C student. The A student is the professor. What does he do? He teaches the B student, all the guys that come to school, to work for me! I don't start, so all you guys have to learn business law and all this to work for me. So the A student, the professor, teaches the B student how to work for the C student. It is so true. It is so true. I know guys that have very wealthy, running huge corporations, right? They can't sign a check. They don't know anything. They have, around them, they have lawyers and accountants and, and actuaries, and they're surrounded because they got a lot of money with everything. But they themselves, they're not even a C student. You got all these brilliant guys working for the guy, he can't, he can't write his name. But, he, but he, his head, he's ADHD, ADD, and he's listening to 20 conversations at one time. And he remembers each one of them, because he's ADD. Because ADD people are the best multitaskers in the world. Because they can't sit. So they're like, yeah, what? And I, I was taught, there's one, I don't want to say his name. He has thousands of stores. He's a multi, 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 multi. So when I go in to speak to him about my bag business, whatever it is, so he's like, why am I paying so much? He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, like this. Why am I paying so much? Why? And I'm like, 
listen, the trucking and the, you know, the container, and he's really not talking to me anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to me anymore. He really talked to the secretary, and by the way, I want that stock, and he talked to the property guy, and I'm like, uh, okay, like, I'm not here, whatever it is. He's like, so you didn't give me an answer. He goes back to me. So you didn't give me an answer. I said, well, I was in the middle of, no, I heard about the trucking and the guy that had the toilet. I know all that, but it still doesn't equal 30%. That equals, that equals 6%. I'm like, my God, how do you process that? He was just going there, there, Because he's a totally aged, he can't sit for five minutes. He's, he's godless. Right? So, so, my father told me that. He was like, you know, this, this whole, anyway. So here I am, sitting with guys, I don't know what kind of money they're making, but crazy money. And I sat there for four hours, and they were like, in amazement, I said, "We've never met anyone like you. Your knowledge and understanding of psychology, of whatever." I'm thinking to myself, "Just if you would ever learn Gemara and you learn how to process a way of thinking, you guys wouldn't be so shot." But you're learning from Freud, some guy who you know believes in Darwin, believes you come from monkeys. So if you come from monkeys, I'm amazing. If you're a human being, I'm not so amazing. But if you come from monkeys, I act amazing. You put me in the zoo and I'm speaking to, you know, I'm thinking that in my head, I'm like, amazing, right? Whatever it is, they're beyond themselves. How do you know this? And you're right. And they happen to have been two Nebuchadnezzar Jews that one's married to a guy and one, whatever. They have, they have no connection to Judaism. And I spoke about Dina and how the Torah talks about Dina and the rape that she went through and how she married Shimon and all this stuff. And I, this girl was like, okay, fine. So I left and they were like, and they're like, you gotta come back and you gotta, Break this, and you got to put them together. And I'm like, hold on, I'm not getting paid here for this. Like, you know, this is your job. But they don't know how to do it, right? So it was like, okay. Anyway, I went back last week, and um, what I decided to do was to bring the whole family together. And I'm not going to go into the details, whatever it is. But I was, it was a very needed but painful group session that I called. And there were certain people in the family that were finding out for the first time what happened. So I knew that this is going to be not an easy thing. And it wasn't. And I have to tell you that I haven't cried like that in a long time. The mother, the father, this, it was just, there was so much pain in the room that actually the two therapists were crying, which is totally not, you know. There was so much pain in that room. I was sitting there and I was mamish crying. And they were looking at me, and I couldn't control, you know, I'm a guy, you know. And it just, the whole, the whole, it was just so sad, so painful. So painful when you hurt a girl, you know, abuse is such, it's such a, it's a festering cancer. It's not a, it's not a one-time pain like if you hit somebody. It's a cancer that just, just destroys her. Makes her anorexic, makes her get 56 stitches and cut herself. And if, if guys, if people knew what they would do to a girl when they abuse them, I don't think anyone has a, the heart to, to, they don't understand, as they way as another. They think, eh, it's, it's destruction. You, you break them down, they want, they're suicidal, they're, they're a very sensitive being, a girl. I don't think guys understand that, that a woman is a very sensitive, very sensitive being, and it's Hashem's daughter. You mess with her. You mess with my daughter, you're not gonna mess again. I can tell you that. You mess with one of my daughters, you're not gonna mess with anyone again. And I'm a human being. You just want a God's daughters? It ain't gonna be pretty after 120 years. It ain't, it's a special place for people who mess with God's daughters. I'm just telling you that. And the festering and the pain, we, we, we also have a guy that gets abused. It's very, very hard, don't get me wrong. But we deal with it differently. We don't self-mutilate. They do. So, 
I walked out of that I walked out of that room and I and I got into the taxi to catch the plane back to New York. And I got into the plane and I was like, Why me? Like, why? It's not my pain. I'm not it's not my Hashem. I'm saying like like why why do I have to sit in that room and watch that? It was very hard. And um one of the shirts that I had given a long time ago came back to me. And it was like Rosh Hashanah last year. They wrote in my book that on that day, I was going to cry. And I was going to witness a lot of pain. And depending on how I lived my life till that day is how I'm going to, why I'm going to cry and where I'm going to witness that pain. I could not change the Xavier that it wrote that on Thursday or this and this date, Sophia Wallstein, you're going to cry. And you're going to witness a lot of pain. I could not change that there. But what I could change, or what I did until that point was, you know what, you're helping other kids, you're going to see someone else's pain. And you're going to cry for someone else. It's not going to be your kid. It's not going to be your family member. And on top of that, mitzvah is mitzvah. The pain and the crying that you're going to do, and the flying to help that girl, is going to be a mitzvah. So, not only is that going to be a punishment, you're going to sit there, God forbid, it's someone in your family that you're crying about. And man, for a man to cry, if that person has to be really hurt. That you're going to cry, not only, but you're going to cry, and you're going to get a mix up for crying. Wow, what a turn of events. So, so how did you do that? Because how you live till that point. If you live for yourself, then you'll cry for yourself for something that happened to you or your family. If you live for the rest of the world, then you'll cry for the rest of the world. Not only it won't be your family, but on top of that, you'll get a mitzvah. Hatzalah member, you're going to be in an ambulance that night. But you're a Hatzalah member, so you're going to be in the ambulance to help someone else, you're going to get a mitzvah. You're not a Hatzalah member, you're not helping anyone else, then you're going to be the one that's laying on the stretcher. Because that's what it was written on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So, I'm telling you something very, very deep. There are certain desires that we can't change. They're going to be written. But even after they're written, and you didn't erase them, you can still change them. In Shemayim Hashem, he's MS. He can't change it. Sign. August of that, Zechariah Shimon ben Rav is going to cry his eyes out for a half an hour. Sign. Can't change it. Hashem can't change it. He won't change MS. But Hashem's whispering in your ear, Zechariah, if you take care of everybody else, You'll cry. And the, and, and the Satan has nothing to say. He cried. Because there was kept. Cried for half an hour. But you're going to end up crying for someone else. And on top of that, being in that room for that girl, every second that you're there, you're going to get a mitzvah for next year. Wow. That, every single person, can change. Sometimes you can't change the zero what's going to happen. You're going to be in a church. Because that's where you were last time. Why are you going to be in the church? To, get, to do another out there and get baptized or you're going to be in the church and on top of being in the church you're going to get a mitzvah you save somebody you pull the kid out that's up to you that's up to you the way you live and the way that you're being that you can change and Rebbe Gamliel always tells me the same thing there's a certain amount of worrying and 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 which is worrying that is written every year. It's part of the things that are written for a person. It's up to you if it's daiga for your family or it's daiga for other people. 
That's up to you. That there's going to be daiga, that you're going to worry, that you're going to have a reason to worry, there's going to be a reason to worry. The question is, will it be for someone else? So if you're helping other people, then Hashem will make it for somebody else. If you're not helping anybody else, then it'll be for you. So it's very big. It's very big. Elul is very big. You need to go inside yourself. You've got to figure out how to beat the system. Because there's going to be certain things that are going to be written on you. And Hashem has to keep them. But you can change them. You can change them by doing chesed. By doing the right thing. You can end up in a church, but it might be saving a kid's life. You can end up in an ambulance, but it might be because you're a hospital member. You can end up in a hospital, but it's, it's there to visit someone else. You're a volunteer, so you know what? If that's what you do your whole life, you're a volunteer. So then even if it's written that you'll end up in a hospital, it won't be for you. It'll be for somebody else. And on, the, on top of that, you get the Mitzvah Bikachon. That's the goddess. That's how you change it. That's the Ani Ludaydi Ludaydi Li Ishtachavero Matanas It's all one picture. There, 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 are, there are three things. He says it over here. There are, there are three things. Right? There's Ani Ludaydi Ludaydi Li. Let me see what he says in three things. And we'll end with this. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There are, there are, there are three primary actions that we can do to affect a positive outcome on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. What are they? We say them. Tshuva, Tfilah, and Tzedakah. Right? Davening, doing Tshuva, and giving Tzedakah. So he says, what do they stand for? Ben Adam Lachakam, that is Tshuva, right? Between us and God. Ben Adam Chaveiro is Tzedakah. And Ben Adam Lachmo, between a person and himself, that is tefillah, right? You have tshuva, tefillah, and tzedakah. So you have anila daily daily That's between us and God, right? You have the one that I told you, where it says ishrael matanos levyanim. That's between you and human being. What's what's you and yourself? What's ish? Right? Because you have to really start with you and yourself. So it says umal Hashem alekecha, and and Hashem, our God, mol comes through with mila. We'll, we'll cut off, right? Um, so S is Aleph, Levav is Lamed, the S is Vav, Levav is El. That's called El. And, and those are the three, those are, they call them the three big T's. Shura, Tfila, and Tzedakah. And those are the three things we have to work on. We have a month to work on, so you can spend ten days on each. One is between me and my friends, one is between me and God, one is between me and myself. And me personally, we tell you the first one to work on is me, me and myself. Because you can't be me and my God and me and another person until you're me and myself. Because there's no me in the equation if there's no me in yourself. There can be God and your friend, but there's no me. So the first thing you have to start with is me and myself. You gotta go home and say, what am I doing? Do I wanna be the, the one on the stretcher? Or do I wanna be the one that's helping the one on the stretcher? Do I wanna be the one in the hospital? I wanna be the one who's visiting the hospital. Right? So if you help kids, and I spoke about this, and you tutor, take this month, kids is coming back to school, Go to the school and find out, is there anyone here that needs a little help? I'll give you two hours a week to teach your kid. A little second grader, third grader. You don't understand. I, I'm dealing with this right now. Parents don't have money for $50 or 45 minutes for a math tutor. They don't have the money for it. So the kid doesn't get the tutoring. So the kid fails. And you you, you did unbelievable in high school in math. You can teach them in two minutes. When you're watching television, going to the movies, help that kid. Believe me, you have so much math us. And then because you help that kid, right? You won't have to help your kid. Because you're helping somebody else's kid. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's, it's a very serious month. It's a month that, you know, that we have to prepare. And I got off the plane and I was 
very, had a big nechama. And I said, Baruch Hashem. And I cried today, I cried for somebody else, and I'm going to daven for her. And um, Baruch Hashem, we, I think we helped a lot, whatever. And I, I learned another thing. I learned that um, really, 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 everything's in the Torah. Not because I'm a Rebbe, because I'm giving you muster. I sat in that room with the biggest professionals in the world. They don't come to our feet. They don't understand the human being the way we understand the human being. They don't have a, a Gemara thought process. How to, how, to, how to ask a question, get an answer. You know, I, I, I try to explain to them that. So, so these schools, I just had this discussion with the principal. Like, they're like, you're not allowed to ask questions. Don't ask questions, right? We'll Don't ask questions. I said, what are you talking about? You're telling me you were throwing Rashi out of school? Every Rashi is a question. There is a book that came out. What does Rashi want? In other words, you go through every Rashi. What's his question? I said, Rashi asks questions. That's what, that's what Rashi does. The Klayokra, the Orachat, they ask questions. So what, you throw them all out of school because they ask questions? I said, Judaism is about working, thinking. Many times you have a Gemara, you learn Talmud, right? Ask a question, contradiction, another question, contradiction. You're getting all excited, right? You figure by the end of the Gemara, right? I spent three weeks in this Gemara, eight pages in Brachis. I'm going to get an answer to the question. And how does it end? Have a nice day. No answer. When Mashiach comes, we'll give you an answer. I'm like, what human race would spend 10 pages screaming and yelling and making themselves crazy to come to an answer? No answer. We'll let you know whenever he shows up. And then, go back into it, and 10 pages later on the next question, Taiku. Right? Above Mitzvah. Above Mitzvah. The whole phrase, if you have eight tablets, four, what it's supposed to be, it's, it's, it's four, Mishnah and Elimitzi is, Tisha Ka, um, no, it's, one Kav and Abba Amos is considered one Kav, a measurement, the Gemara says, one measurement of fruit in Abba Amos, in eight feet, right, is considered Mifuzaris, spread out. So Rabbi came along and said, well, if one Kav of fruit in four almonds is considered spread out. What's the aloha of two kavin in eight almonds? So now, the Gemara said, well, we don't know because two kavin is worth a lot more, but eight almonds might be too much room for him to schlep to get it. So the rabbi said, okay, let's go the other way. How about half a kav in two almonds? So the distance is not a lot, but the value of the fruit is much less. Wow. Interesting. Great questions, right? Take over. Have a nice day. <laughs> so at that point, any, any non-Jew would say, this is the dumbest book I've ever read. <laughs> but where am I going? The end of the story? Did he live? Did he die? I don't know. We'll let you know when the Messiah comes. How many of those books are going to sell? Right? At the end of the book, we don't know what happened at the end. When the Messiah comes, we'll let you know. No one's going to read that guy's next book. But we, we, it's not about the answer. It's about the work. That's how the Gemara is based. That's why after one takeo, you're going to go back in. Fine, I don't need, I don't need to know the answer. On those eight and four and eight and four, Mashiach comes But the process of, well, well, the fruit 
the fruit is worth more, but the distance is more. So I don't know if he's going to pick it up. The fruit is less, less is, is worth less, but the distance is less, right? So you're going to argue. What do you think? What do I feel? The more says we don't have an answer, but it's it's the it's the work. I try to explain it to them. I try to explain to them. I said my head knows that I'm never I'm not going to always have the answer. I said that opens my head much wider than yours. You need an answer at the end of the day. So, so you need physics to prove how the world came into, into creation, right? So you, you spent this billion dollars on this new thing called the God molecule, where it's billions of dollars, it's extreme. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Like the girl that came to Rabbi Gamil and I was sitting there, and she's like, could you read my palm? I'll never forget it. My Rebbe, she thinks he's a palm reader, right? And he could read palms, by the way. He could. He knows, he knows how to do it, right? Could you read my palm? So my Rebbe said to her, I was sitting there, he says, why do, you, why do you want me to read your palm? She says, I heard that it says on my palm what I was last Gilgal. What it does. What you, what you were here, what you were like when you were here last time, right? So he looks at her and he says, when you figure out where, why you're here this time, I'll tell you about last time. Right? What do you worry about where you're coming from? Look at where you are now, right? So the Gemara, we learn, we get there, we get there, we have an answer, we don't have an answer. It's, it's the way we got there. It's the equation. That's what counts. They don't have that understanding. So the Gemara teaches us you don't always have to have the answer. You can work and work and work. And that's what it says. You don't have to win the race. You just have to run the race. It's not Olympics. Hashem doesn't need you to win the race. You have to run the race. It's not for you to finish. It's for you to start. Because the truth is that many things that we start, we're like, I'll never, I'll never finish this. This week's Parsha. I don't have it here, and I'll end with this. In Shaftan, so there's a Medrash. You look in the Medrash Rabbah. He talks about that Shlomo Melech said, if you want to learn about not being lazy, look at the ant. That's what it says. Look at the ant. So the Medrash says, fascinating Medrash, Rabbah. So the Medrash says that the ant gathers his whole life. He works. He gathers and he gathers. He says, the ant lives for 30 days. That's it. Why? So the, the Medrash says, because anything that has no veins and no vertebrae cannot live more than 30 days. It's a Medrash Rabbah, you can look it up. So he says, in those 30 days, an ant needs to eat its whole life a barley, you know how small the barley is? A barley and a half. So they once opened up an ant hill, and there were hundreds of pounds of rice. So, I don't understand exactly what this means. So, the, however, they talked to an ant, but they asked, why did you collect so much rice? You can only live 30 days. This is enough for, for all of you for 3,000 years. So, why didn't you, they're not lazy, right? Why didn't you stop? Why didn't you stop? So, they answered, God, let's just look at this message. You're right. Hashem created me that I can only live 30 days. But Hashem could do anything. And if He decides to change and that I should live much longer, I need to have food. An ant said that. You hear? An ant said that. I guess the mouth of the ant. In other words, I'm only going to live 30 days, but Hashem could do anything. So He might decide that ant should live 300 years. I got to be prepared. You always have to be prepared. So Mushlam Amalek said, look at the ant. Look at the ant. He's looking. I'm finite. I don't have bones. I don't have vert. I don't have. I don't have veins. I can only live. I can only live thirty days. That's not going to stop me. 
Because you never know. God can do anything. And then I'm, I'm not going to have food. I got to have food. That's how Hashem the Bria think. And that's what Shalom Amal said. We as human beings, we have to learn from that. Keep gathering mitzvahs. Keep gathering mitzvahs. Keep gathering mitzvahs. Keep putting on filling. Keep going to me. Keep going. You don't know how long you're going to live. Hashem should give me life. I'll gather more. I'll gather more. I don't know in the next world how much good stuff I need to have. I don't know all the bad stuff that I did. I can't remember all the bad stuff. I don't know what that scale is going to look like at the end of days. Just keep going. It's like, it's like when you want to make money. You don't stop. You don't stop. The machine's giving, throwing money. You keep getting more, you know. That's how we have to look at life. <laughs> Guys are running with pails. They're going to say, okay, I got enough. Who said I got enough? Nobody said I got enough. Right? Everyone, everyone went for that $450 million lottery last week. Of course, some truck driver won it. We don't ever win it. Right? And he said, I'm not changing my job. You know, I only have $300 million. Why should I change my job? But Lamaisa, you used to think like money. You, you, you keep running with pails, with this, with that, with anything that you can have. So you have to think that life is the same thing. Have another minute, have another minute. Do another mitzvah. And the first book will give you a long life then. But it's really up to you what happens in the Xerah. Even a bad Xerah, you could turn good. By what you do. So you have to show an elo, guys. You have to do good and do good and do good and show an elo that, that goes wrong. I could do good. I need the David, the David Lee. Carry me. Take me on the bus. No matter what happens, I'm in your arms. I trust you. It's, it's, it's so much easier when, when they put me under to get my kidney stones crushed. It was definitely by the closest I was ever to God in my life. And what do you mean? You go to the Kaisal, I'm there in the Ewa, in Kippur, I'm fasted. The closest I was ever in God's ever to God in my life was when they put me under. To, it's like an operation where they crushed your, your, your kidney stones. I will never forget it. I was laying in that bed, so I know already because I've had appendix out that, they, that the anesthesiologist is a liar. He says count to ten. You never make it past four. <laughs> I know that. I've, I've been through enough anesthesia. He's like, okay, count to ten, and then you'll be sleeping. One, two, three. you're gone. You're finished. The minute that Demerol hits, you're out. So I knew when the guy said to me, we're going to count to 10. I'm like, no, we're not. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm not going to make it past four. He's like, you've had something like this before? I'm like, yeah. So I told him, give me, give me one second. I was very scared. I'm not going to tell you what's scared. You get under anesthesia, you know you could die. Anesthesia is a dangerous thing. I, I didn't know what was going to be with me, right? I never had kidney stones crushed before. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So I was thinking of what to feel I should say before I go to sleep, before they put me to sleep. Shema Yisrael, most people say Shema Yisrael, right? And I was like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And what did I say? Biyado Afkid Rufi. I didn't say Kriyashma. I didn't say anything. I said, Biyado Afkid Rufi. In his hand, I put my spirit. And I had such a moment before I was put to sleep where I just said I'm going to sleep and I may never wake up and I, I, really, I may never wake up it doesn't matter I'm going to sleep in his hands if I wake up on his hand, I'm in his hands and if I don't wake up I'll be in the next world in his hands I never had a moment of I don't know how to say it bliss I was just like just let everything go it was like amazing I was just in his hands it was just like it doesn't matter. I was at a point where I'm going into the darkness, no matter what happens. People told me, say, and just came into my head, and in your hands, I'm giving it to you, Hashem. I'm in your hands. Do whatever you want. It's yours. 
It was amazing. And at the end of the day, we are all in his hands. We are there And that's how we have to, that's how, if we go through life like that, it's like, it's simple. Shabbat Slacha and Racha, Bezrat Hashem, and all the takus should be answered by Mashiach Mekarev. It's great to be back. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.